Welcome to the Taz Show Podcast. Jim Kelly's off back on Monday. He's taking a little vacation with the family. And Devin Peacock uh, is is sitting in this morning. Were you here yesterday, Dev? In your news earlier, you were reporting on a takedown that happened with the police outside of our building, just on the other side of the street here. Were you still at work when that happened? I was uh, actually over at the Fox and Fiddle uh, having a little lunch. Oh, nice. Late lunch. And, so uh, this happened right in front of you then? This happened, so I was like further back in the restaurant, not uh. near the windows, but everyone started congregating around the windows. <laughs> hey, someone's getting handcuffed! And uh, Get him! Get him! <laughs> so, and what, so we one of the videos we we posted, we, we put online, you can see on 980cfpl.ca, of the takedown, where you can see, it would, turned out to be a replica weapon, but it looked like a, a gun in the moment, and you could see like the guy being taken down, mm-hmm. the cops picking up the weapon after the Was fact. that your video? It was uh, a different person in the restaurant. Didn't want to be named, but I asked, I, I said, hey, you know, uh, I work at 980 CFPL right across the street. And they started to laugh. I'm just, I'm just here for lunch. Right. Do you mind if I, do you mind if you send me the video? And they said, sure, yeah, we'll take they it. They said, sure, yeah, I'm happy to do your job for you <laughs> while you eat your club sandwich, <laughs> you lazy bones. <laughs> why, why didn't you pull out your cell phone? I didn't, I saw it too late. They were sitting down by the oh. windows. I was further back. So the story is, teenage guy, he was downtown. The police got called because it looked like he had a gun. There was a, it must have been sticking out of his pants. There was a call that came in about a person walking around the downtown with a uh, weapon. And uh, like terrible idea. The amount of police that showed up uh, was incredible. And like the uh, the people who took the video were saying like the two of the officers deserve a lot of credit. Because in the moment, you don't know if it's a replica or not, yeah. right? Well, that's why what I'm saying. If you have a, a fake gun, you're walking around. It's a pretty good way to to get shot by the police. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, the they were saying a couple of the police officers, like all the police officers, did a good job, but a couple in particular did a really good job in, in terms of defusing the situation and uh, disarming the guy and taking the guy into custody without anyone being injured. They used patience, cool heads. And, and great judgment, obviously, to make sure the situation didn't end uh, in a way that wouldn't have been good. Kudos! So kudos to those officers. Isn't it strange? It reminds me of the, the tornado warning. We were talking about that tornado warning that we all got sent to our phones last week in the area. So everyone gets this thing, pops up on the phone. Hey, a tornado is, is coming our way. First thing that everyone does is go outside to look for it. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, hey, that guy's got a gun. Everyone in the restaurant gets up and heads over to the window to see it. Like, should you not be uh, hiding behind the bar? That's a good. I mean, the 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 impulse should not be to go, go towards, towards the it. danger. Well, you know, I, horror movies, science fiction movies. My whole life, I've been like, well, why would you walk towards that? Why would you go in that basement when you heard that noise? Why would you walk towards that spaceship? You know, something bad's going to happen. But I guess it's just human nature. Well, in defense of all the, you know, the horror characters who do go into the basement that's dark and dingy and dangerous when they hear a noise, what's better, hearing a noise down there, not knowing what's going on, staying up upsta- upstairs, and then your brain just working overdrive in terms of what could be down there, right? or going downstairs and uh, facing off against uh, uh, the, the murderer. Jason or Freddy. Whoever's down there. 
Like, if it is a murderer down there, he's going to come upstairs and kill you anyway. <laughs> Devin Peacock would stay upstairs and finish his club sandwich and send someone else down there to take a video. <laughs> hey, let me know what's going on in the basement. The Tasho Podcast. Here we go. Trainwreck stories for Amy Schumer tickets. She was in the movie Trainwreck. She's going to be at Caesars Windsor on September 13th. Still tickets available starting at 58 bucks. if you want to buy some and head down there, have a... Make a night of it, do some gambling, have some dinner. Sounds like a fun time. Or win some tickets with your train wreck story. So we're looking for a moment in your life where you felt like a train wreck, you were completely embarrassed. Three callers lined up. Whoever has the best story is going to win. And we are starting with uh, Yancey. Yeah. Tell us about a time you felt like a train wreck. Is it when your parents named you? Well, that was my, that, that's a good one because I actually, some people call me Ryan because and my mother asked me why I was named Ryan, why you go by your middle name sometimes. I said, well, you know, if you're short and got glasses and I said, you got named me a teammate, imagine my childhood. But anyways, the train wreck is we were on uh, the Maid of the Mist when my kids were little, uh-huh. going, down the, going down the little ramp that you jumped to get on the boat. We all got those little stupid raincoats on with the, all you see is your face, right? Yeah. And uh, there was a group of Asian tourists going down the tr- the um, ramp. Now, is and the my- fact that they're Asian pertinent to the story? Absolutely. Okay. My daughter yells out at the top of her lungs, Daddy, is this the boat to China? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to, like, totally, like, crawl under and be like... How old was your daughter at the time? Oh, like four. Oh, man, I'm waiting. I have My kid's not forming full sentences yet, so he hasn't been able to embar- no, like, embarrass me with accidental racism yet. She had no idea that that was what, it, and she now... She and did the group of, of Asians, did they laugh at that, or how did they take it? Nobody said anything, and I honestly, not to be rude, I, I don't think they understood what she said, right? Yeah, in a perfect world. <laughs> because we were in a tourist area, right, and... You know, maybe they didn't speak English. Who knows? Right? That's funny, Yancey. Thanks, man. Hold on. Steve, you were a train wreck. Tell us about it. Okay. Uh, this is going back when I was like 17 years old. We were all partying out at a trailer in Fanshawe. And I met this really great chick. And, you know, thing one thing led to another. And we sort of went off on our own. And uh, I drove her home that night, and all the guys were asking me the next day, well, what happened? What happened? Did you do it? Did you do it? I never said yes, and I never said no. I just kind of went, yeah, yeah, right, whatever, right? And so about four days later, I had this broad in my car. We're driving up the road with a couple buddies and her and a couple of her friends. I had a big car. Uh Uh-huh. So she goes, so you me the other night, did you, Steve? I went, oh my God! Oh. So your buddy, your somebody said that you said that you had sex with her. Yeah, and I, and I don't know what to say. We're married now, by the way. Hey, you married the chick and the broad. Yeah, <laughs> that broad is now my wife. Yeah. Oh, good. And have you had sex with her for real yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been married for like uh, thirty years. Uh, congratulations. What's her name? Oh, I can't tell you that. Then she'd know it was me talking about this. Well, I think she probably recognizes your voice and your name, Steve. No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Good one. Hold on. Okay, last one. Andrew, you have a train wreck story. 
Well, yeah, it's uh, it's not as good as Randy's, but uh, <laughs> I was hanging out with a new group of friends, and I hadn't been to their house too many times, and uh, had some drinks and passed or fell asleep there, you know, and woke up in the middle of the night, kind of wondering where I was, and uh, went outside to get my bearings while I was in my boxers and tank top, and it's winter, uh-huh. and I just decided to walk home across town barefoot in my boxers and. So you must, you must have been pretty drunk then. Yeah, and I stopped halfway on the way home at Max, and got a I got a free coffee from the lady working there. I guess she felt sorry for me. And for the rest, oh, hold on, I thought I thought it was no shirt, no shoes, no service at Max. I had a tank top and my boxers on. Okay. And she gave me a free coffee for the rest of the walk home. Every twenty feet or so, I would pour it on my feet to keep my feet warm (laughs) to get me home. (laughs) This is the truth. I'm not lying. And when I got home, I went to bed and everything, and the next day, the girl's house I was at, she comes over to visit me with my clothes and <laughs> asked me how I got home. So I had to let her know, and this was probably 25 years ago, and it still gets brought up at least once a year. They want to hear me tell the story of me walking home barefoot in the snow, pouring coffee down my arms and legs and feet to keep warm. All right. So there's our three train wreck stories. Devin Peacock, there can only be one winner. Which story was your favorite? You know, I'm, I'm a little partial to Yancey. Yeah? You like number one? I like number one. The last one with the coffee, I don't really understand why he decided to leave a nice warm house in the middle of the night. I guess it was his own doing there. Yeah, I get he was drunk, but still, it's, uh, it's a good story. Uh, Steve... He's already a winner because he ended up marrying the broad. (laughs) (laughs) So I think I agree. I think Yancey is going to see Amy Schumer, and I'm choosing him not because of the story he told, just because he did have to grow up as a short guy with glasses with the name Yancey. (laughs) Yancey McGee. What a great name. I love it, Yance. Well, I don't, but that's okay. The Tash Show Podcast. The head of London Police's trafficking unit was accused of freeing a fellow officer caught in a prostitution sting. Yeah, he is, as Sergeant Michael Hay is charged with discreditable conduct, neglect of duty, and insubordination. This uh, sting apparently happened back in April. So uh, there's two issues at, at play. One is the fact that um, the... He freed the other fellow officer caught in the ring, but two, some of these charges relate to the fact that there was uh, a cover-up and that he um, he's alleged anyway, it's, the hearing has to take place, it's alleged he failed to conduct a proper investigation and took steps to cover it all up. Mm. And usually it's... What it, this aside, cover-up always the, makes it worse. The cover-up is always worse than, usually it's worse, but always, if it's not worse, it makes it a hundred times, times worse. Uh, Michael Hay, Michael Hay, he's a respected sergeant with the London Police. Megan Walker, who works with the London Abused Women's Centre, speaks very highly of him and the work he's done with with human trafficking in the area. Yeah, he's the supervisor of the human uh, trafficking unit, as you uh, say, and uh, Megan Walker, who has obviously worked uh, very closely 
uh, with the London Police. Uh, she, of course, leads the London Abuse Women's Centre, but she has uh, been very complimentary of uh, Michael Hay. And none of this, just because there's these allegations here, doesn't mean he's not a good police officer. But uh, Megan uh, talked to 980 CFBL, was talking about how he's done a very good job building up the trafficking unit to where it is today and developing uh, positive relationships within the community. He is still on active duty, but he does face uh, possible uh, termination worst, if, if he's uh, found guilty. The worst case is he could uh, lose his job from all of this. Uh, so the penalties range between uh, docked pay to all the way up uh, to termination. And it's just not good for perception in the community. We just got a text message here from Hugh. Hugh says, about time one of these police officers got caught. They all think they're above the law. I have a personal friend on the force, and the stories he tells me are unreal, but why would he lie? Do you accept the fact that, yeah, cops are going to cover for other cops? Is there a line? Is there some stuff they should they should be like, yeah, you know, you're a cop, just you're fine, go ahead. Where is that line? We're getting some text messages here. This one reads, zero tolerance for cops breaking the law. It's the ultimate in hypocrisy for those tasked with upholding our laws to show favoritism to fellow officers. When caught breaking the same laws that apply to all, it's a gross dereliction of duty. Hmm. Hey, it's understandable that the police would be more lenient to other police officers as they share experiences, we all do it. When I worked in retail, we put uh, aside the last sale items for each other so we could buy them at the end of our shift. Every job has its benefits. It's just that the police are in the public eye, and knowing that many of them make so much more than the rest of us, it adds a little more sting to hearing this, but we all do it. A lot of people seem to have this opinion. Here's another one. Speaking about cops that cover up for fellow cops, well, it's not good that people in that position do it. Everyone does it. We give each other a heads up when the boss is coming around. We flash headlights when we know police are on the road ahead of us. It's part of human nature to want to help your fellow colleagues. Again, I'm not saying it's a good excuse. I'm just saying it's a human issue. I mean, I don't disagree. I mean, I think the, I think the line is if there's something where... The public would not be given like a you know just a warning for yeah this, this guy this this cop who was caught in the prostitution sting he may be a, a great guy who knows what his circumstances are maybe he lost his wife years ago and uh, he n- needed some human contact you know if, uh, but I'm, there's other guys who I'm sure were caught in the prostitution sting who aren't police officers who have who are nice guys and just have. You made a bad decision. They're not getting let off. Yeah, and part of the part of the story here is the allegation is the it's the allegation is that the person that did this runs the human trafficking unit, which yeah. has a different layer of complications. And he didn't just all. let him go; he allegedly covered it up as well. So that's that's not good. Hey, Taz and Peacock, I work in a union shop. Number one rule is never rat out another union member. Police are in unions. I'm sure their brotherhood of officers is very strong, and they're loyal to each other. Not saying it's right, but it's part of the culture. Here's another one. Stop making excuses for people who abuse power. They're pieces of feces. (laughs) There you go. Some varying opinions there. The Tash Show Podcast. Bigfoot erotica 
is in the news because of a congressional race down in the United States. There's a Republican named Denver Riggleman. He's running for Congress in Virginia. His opponent is a Democrat named Leslie uh, Cockburn. She has accused her opponent of being into Bigfoot erotica, and now it's become part of the uh, the news cycle here. I brought this story up the other day. To my surprise, Devin, you uh, you revealed that you're not only into Bigfoot erotica, you attend conventions. Yeah. And you write your own Bigfoot erotica fan fiction. Let me tell you, I mean, there's a lot of us who uh, go to the conventions with our own uh, our own tomes, if I might, uh, with a little uh, little story to share with the masses. And uh, I've written our one or two. Yeah, you you shared an excerpt from one of your books about Quincy the Sasquatch. He's the he's the title character. Yes, in all of your. Bigfoot erotica, right? He's very popular. A little backstory on Quincy, for those who may have missed the first story you read. Well, Quincy, you know, for a long time, he roamed around the forest until uh, he was very lonely, searching for meaning in life. Uh-huh. Uh, he's a uh, kind of a, a wild guy, let his hair flow in the wind, <laughs> dangerous looking. But then he met the love of his life. Then he saw a, a lovely lass named Miranda out in the woods in danger. Saved, saved her. her, yeah, and uh, love bloomed. Tale as old as time. <laughs> You've got another uh, chapter here in the Quincy Miranda love story, and things um, trouble in paradise a little bit. It was a hot, sweaty night. The forest was alive with activity. Frogs were frogging, rabbits were hopping, and the moose were on the loose. Inside Quincy's cave, the fire cracked, the warm flames licking the air. But all was not well inside Quincy's cave, for he and Miranda hadn't gone spelunking in a while. (laughs) What was once a cave of desire had become one of despair. Mm. The only thing rockier than the love affair between Quincy and Miranda was the cliffs above their cave. Their attempt to spice up their saskmance was a disaster. They had invited Stephen, the Sasquatch, into their lair for a three-way Saskfest. No. Stephen was everything Quincy was not. Whereas Quincy let his hair flow in the wind, Stephen was manicured. Sasquatch Stephen had a shaved chest, (laughs) chiseled, Sporting a rocking guitar, he left EOA. Hey, I know that Sasquatch. Stephen's musk lingered in the cave air. His manly scent a painful reminder of what could be and what was. Quincy decided to put his big foot down, broke the tension. Why don't you look at me during anymore? He asked wantingly. Miranda's eyes bulged. Her nostrils flared. Her chest heaved with desire. I want you, but I can't see you. I feel like I don't know you, she lamented. I'm beginning to wonder if our love is real. Miranda paused. I'm beginning to wonder if you are real. Oh, no, she didn't. Miranda's words stung Quincy in the heart. 
Many had questioned his existence. <laughs> but he was real. If a Sasquatch cries in the woods, does he make a sound? He asked. Quincy grabbed his razor, started to shave the hair from his face. Don't do it, Quincy! Is this what you wanted? He asked aloud. Miranda watched her man-beast lover and tenderly stepped forward. Allow me, she said softly as she took the razor tenderly from the mighty beast in front of her. Slowly, sensually, Miranda shaved her gentle giant. She stepped back and smiled. She knew Quincy had a big foot, yet he seemed even bigger now. Yeti, nice. Miranda purred. Quincy growled. (laughs) The fire in the cave was dying out, but the fire between Quincy and Miranda was as hot as ever. Quincy picked Miranda up in his mighty arms. He walked to the mouth of the cave, and he closed the wolf floor curtains. The whole forest knew that when the cave was a-rockin', don't come a-knockin'. It's one of my more popular ones. <laughs> Whew. Need to cool off a little bit here. <laughs> See, I, th- I, I kind of thought you were joking with that first uh, story you read there, that you weren't actually into Bigfoot erotica, Dev, but there's no denying that we have found your passion. <laughs> when I'm not listening to music, this is what I'm doing. Hey, I just want to sincerely thank you for listening to the Taz Show podcast. If you want more, subscribe. You can find us on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. All the podcast places. 